Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hi, everyone. Vicki Vasilega here. Thanks for listening in to today's COVID-19 podcast. Today's feature podcast is from a COVID-19 webinar recorded earlier that you may have missed or may want to hear again. So let's listen in as our content matter experts share their experiences and recommendations for optimal patient care and operational strategies. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to ASHP's podcasts. And we'll start out um, next with Michelle. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the unanticipated challenges that you faced at your programs um, due to COVID-19? So, you know, uh, interview season and recruiting season this winter looked a lot different the first, you know, two months of the year than how it looked on March 11th. And so um, all of our residents at UVA fall under graduate medical education. And um, it was the weekend after Tom Hanks declared that he had COVID and the NBA stopped their season when a lot of the GME program directors were uh, emailing all night and all day long on Saturday and Sunday about what are we going to do with our learners. Um, and so it became quick, quickly apparent that it was decided department or uh, organizationally that GME trainees, including pharmacy residents, would not be direct patient care providers for any COVID patients. And then it became, well, how are we going to continue to support these learners and ensure that they're still um, progressing with their development while also protecting them from what may be coming? Um, and so we made a decision to send the pharmacy residents, with the exception of a couple, to virtual rotation. So they, they went home. It was probably March 16th, 17th, and started connecting to their preceptors who were also at that point had started, many of them had started working virtually. And then we were using our residents as a backup workforce. They were going to be who we called on second should our frontline team members become ill. And so we developed a mobilization plan. Actually, one of the PGY1 residents on the practice management rotation developed with the oversight of the operations and leadership team, a mobilization plan of when we would call the residents back um, based on how our teams were doing. Um, I reworked the rotation schedule oh so many times. Um, we had um, areas within the hospital that, that didn't want any sort of outsiders to the normal team in the area. So our neuro ICU was limiting external uh, folks. Um, so I wasn't able to use that as a rotation as I had previously planned. Our CCU, just like you've seen on the news, had very low census. You know, people weren't coming in for cardiac issues because they were scared in some cases to come to the hospital. So there was really low census. And, but then our internal medicine team, they weren't just caring for the general medicine patients and our hospitalist patients, but they became the COVID surge teams. And so we, I moved a bunch of residents around and, and then had someone on the internal medicine rotation every block to help support those team members. And they were covering the non-COVID surge teams. Other things that we did, so our residents work an evening shift every week. It's order verification through collaboration with our operations team members. We turned, and the order verification has always had to be conducted in the organization. We had remote order verification. The residents were verifying orders from home. They had the technology and access to do that. So we were limiting their um, the times they came into the environment to protect not only them, but the environment from you know the outside world. 
Um, we also do our affiliations with a number of schools of pharmacy, particularly VCU in Richmond. Um, we started taking in students who were displaced from other rotations when other regional um, organizations were no longer willing to precept. And so there, was, there were a lot of moving parts with learners, not just the residents, but with the students. And then another thing that we did, again, because the residents were virtual, is that they were removed from code coverage because you obviously can't respond to that. And then the, the pharmacist frontline team members picked that up. But normally our residents are frontline code coverage responders. And so there were, there were lots of navigations and things that we did in order to, again, ensure that our residents were a secondary workforce should our primary workforce become ill. That's great. Thank you so much. Pat, how about at Nebraska? Are there anything different that you encountered? Sure, sure. Thank you. So uh, kind of some of the, when I thought about this in terms of the buckets that we had encountered and, and when all this happened, I still remember uh, March March 12th vividly because that's when uh, my wife, who's a second grade teacher, um, was her last day teaching in school. Um, and it seems like from then on, it was just kind of a blur. Um, one of the things that we wanted to, to keep front and center is, you know, patient safety. And so we want to keep our patients safe. And then also uh, we want to keep our staff and our residents safe. And so that was something that was at the top of our mind uh, from the get-go. And, you know, social distancing when, when, when applicable, uh, you know, when, when we could do that, especially when we were back there in, in, in March and just kind of not knowing what we would be encountering um, the other thing was as the organization kind of evolved and I know many organizations uh, have just, you know, done all kinds of things in the last six months. But, and we learned uh, each and every day was a really is a true learning experience. And one of them was the donning and doffing of personal protective equipment. And we really had to make sure that not only our, our employees, but our pharmacists and certainly our residents had the proper N95 uh, masks, uh, that they had goggles, face shields, and that they were going to be protected uh, in all aspects of patient care. Another bucket was how we were going to integrate our residents into the staffing model. Uh, we kept them on the front lines, and what we decided to do was we uh, took our PGY2 residents, and they were deployed, uh, really embedded uh, into their specialty areas. And then our PGY1 residents, in terms of staffing, we divided them up amongst our ER, ICU, and internal medicine teams as we were anticipating surges that could happen. So they they were really, they're, they're at the forefront, uh, at the bedside, uh, still embedded with the medical teams, provided, providing the, the pharmacy expertise that we've been doing for a long time. The other thing that we uh, looked at that we were faced with challenge was the rotational experiences. Uh, probably not unlike other institutions, uh, our uh, in-person ambulatory care visits really dropped, uh, dropped like a, a rock. Um, and as our telehealth was getting kind of ramped up, we uh, and after talking with our preceptors, we really just didn't have the bandwidth or the patient uh, census to really have our residents complete an ambulatory care rotation in the spring. And so we had to cancel those rotations and then do some modifications for the to make sure that those objectives uh, that were taught and evaluated in our ambulatory care rotations were going to be reallocated to um, our other uh, rotations that they had coming up. A couple other things too was the in terms of from like from a residency advisory committee standpoint, we reevaluated our leave policy. Um, I, thinking back to March, uh, we were thinking that you know what if uh, twenty percent of our staff and what if twenty percent of our residents uh, came down with COVID and became ill and had to take some time away. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that our leave policy was not only in compliance with ASHP accreditation standards, but also that we were following our quarantine and our organizational guidelines. And as uh, Michelle had mentioned uh, from the Code Blue response, 
Uh, so our residents, uh, they participate in our in-house on-call program. And we, we maintained that, that program. We did not take that away, but we had to modify that slightly. And for those patients that were COVID positive, that were uh, in, a, in a code situation, we had our, our overnight ICU or our overnight ICU, our ER staff that had participated in that. And we kind of minimized our resident exposure to, to those patients, uh, specifically because of those areas that were kind of in obviously a lockdown. And the other thing that briefly that, that went through our mind was resident well-being. You know, as we entered the, the spring months, um, our, many of our residents had either plans to go see their family and friends or they had plans for their family and friends uh, to come to Omaha. And uh, those trips were canceled. And I, I know that uh, from personal, personally speaking with them, that was kind of a, a damper. And, and so I, as a program director and, and our whole staff, you know, we did all that we could to, to really support them and to try to look at all the positives in the situations. And then uh, some additional unknowns uh, and stress, I think that was just placed on our staff at the time and how to navigate in the new environment. You know, we, what we, we didn't know what we didn't know at that time. And I think that was something that we really had to be, try to be front and center with uh, the information that we had at hand and being transparent uh, with our residents, uh, knowing that everything we were doing, what we were doing in the name of patient safety and also to protect our, our, our residents and our staff. Thank you, Pat. It's interesting you said that impact on your ambulatory care. I surveyed in a few VA sites and they went to telehealth and they actually lost all of their no-shows and became busier than ever. So I think it really depended on your practice model and ambulatory care, how much it uh, impacted those rotation sites. But that's very interesting. Next, could you tell us a little bit, and we'll start back with you, Pat, about some unique opportunities, perhaps. You know, the glasses that always half empty, but maybe some good things actually came out of, of this really unique situation. What happened at Nebraska? Yes, thank you. And there, you know, there's always the silver lining and, you know, never let any crisis go to waste and, and, and learn from everything. And I think that's one of the main themes that I try to keep front and center. And we as a staff with our residents is that, wow, I'll just think, I mean, this will be obviously something that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives to their grandchildren. Uh, but all the stuff that they're going to be learning and, and learning with as our organization is learning to take care of our patients. And so maybe I'll, I'll uh, if I may, uh, give you some unique opportunities from some different perspectives. And, and, and first would be the residents' perspective. Our residents participate in our management uh, rotational experience uh, predominantly in the, in the second half of the year. And um, it just so happened to be that uh, we had uh, last fall started uh, resurrecting our meeting of our pa pharmacy pandemic planning committee, which uh, we have representation on our, our larger hospital-wide um, uh, hospital incident command center committee. But our pharmacy pandemic planning committee had been uh, meeting about every six months to a year for the past several years. And for some reason, last September, um, one of our clinical managers said, we really need to resurrect this and start, start meeting a little bit more and getting things kind of squared away. And then when January hit and the information came out about the coronavirus, uh, we started meeting weekly. And so what we did is we incorporated our residents that were on management into the planning committee. Uh, many of them uh, uh, really helped us to be an extension to get the work done that we needed to have done. We had three arms of our committee. We had a logistics arm, a communications arm, and an operations arm. So our residents took minutes. They facilitated some surveys that we had uh, to send out to our staff because we needed to really, in a very quick and efficient manner, identify who was trained where so we could identify 
how much bench depth we had in certain areas. And our residents were just magnificent in really helping us to, to get that data and to interpret that data so we could report it back to our staff so we could um, do the training that we needed in a very quick and short turnaround time. When it comes to staffing, our residents were invaluable in, in, in providing uh, really seamless care to our patients. Our physician providers did not notice a drop-off at all in our residents and our staff that were rounding with them. Um, they participated in a novel staff check-in system uh, that was updated in real time. So we would, uh, at any given moment, would know who's staffing where on any given day. And our residents also participated in some element of home order verification as we had some pharmacists just because of our volumes were being down, we, we rotated folks uh, that were either on site or doing home order verification. And then our residents also got to participate in either being first, second, or third call uh, should pharmacists, uh, specifically on the internal medicine unit, call in ill. We look at other opportunities from the residents' perspective, especially the PGY2 ER resident and then our PGY1s that we allocated to the ER during those months for some staffing extension. They helped prepare uh, the tents that were set up. They helped prepare things for like drip calculations and IV push medication information sheets for our nurses. Uh, I know they participated uh, with our ED pharmacist when they did uh, uh, calls to COVID positive patients. And our PGY2s assisted with uh, just an enormous amount of protocols and procedures that had to really be developed and updated on very short, quick turnaround times within uh, their specialty areas. And the other thing uh, that, that they did from the residency perspective is that they got really thrust right in, uh, kind of like my wife did, uh, in terms of teaching remotely. And they got to participate in teaching remotely in the last uh, few months from our pharmacotherapy uh, labs and our P3 rotational boot camp. And last, I'll, I'll switch it to the RPD perspective. The, some of the, the good things that happened is that we worked with our residency advisory committee to develop new rotation descriptions. And definitely uh, a great thanks goes out to everybody that helped uh, for our preceptors to really, really turn these rotation descriptions and develop these kind of really out of thin air so that we were uh, making sure that we were meeting uh, the, not only the residents' needs and our patients' needs, but also uh, when we look back and looked at what are the objectives that we still needed to teach and evaluate to our residents so that they could uh, graduate and graduate on time. So pharmacists extender roles uh, kind of was born out of this, uh, specifically from the PGY-1 standpoint in terms of uh, emergency medicine, critical care, and also management. We also had several iterations of our rotation schedule and staffing schedules because we didn't know really what was going to happen and what the needs were going to be um, at the time. And so um, we had developed uh, probably in some any one given day, I think I had maybe four or five rotational iterations for all nine of my PGY1s, depending on X, Y, or Z happening. Uh, and I think that would prove to be invaluable. And we definitely shared these with our residents and with our managers in real time as time went on. And the other thing we wanted to do is really make sure that our residents were getting the training that they obviously wanted because we still have some required rotations that were uh, that they had to complete towards the end of the year and, and working together how we were going to integrate a required rotation with some extra staffing that, that needed to take place. I think our, our uh, program directors and our managers and our residents really came together and worked very well to do that in a seamless manner. Um, our RAC committee reviewed many policies. Uh, we review our policies, uh, we stagger them and, and review them on a, 
at least every at the minimum every two years. But we we put some some policies that really didn't they weren't in the the normal cycle to be reviewed during the April, May, and June timeframes. But we reviewed them anyway, uh, just to make sure that you know that if there's anything that needed to be updated, like the requirements for graduation, that we could go in and, and make some some uh, some quick uh, changes and quick updates. And so that was very very helpful. Uh, not to mention that we had an accreditation site visit coming too for one of our PGY2 programs that we had just a couple weeks ago. And then last, uh, we took the opportunity, uh, as I, I try to do every year, uh, when the residents fill out the end of the year program evaluation in Farm Academic uh, and provide us, provides us with feedback of really the program in its totality. And uh, there's an extra few questions thrown in there this year. And one of them had to do feedback on you know um, their training during the COVID time period and and their feedback that they gave us and obviously we didn't do everything right and hindsight's always 2020 but the feedback that they provided us is really going to be invaluable going forward should a surge happen in the fall in our area. Thank you, Patrick. That was that was really interesting. Um, Michelle, let's ask for your experience at EVA. I won't touch on some of the same things between Pat's program and my program, but I'll talk about a few of the differences. And one you know, thing that was really helpful and became a unique opportunity was um, I had scheduled several of the residents for investigational drug services rotations, and that became um, the team that was navigating some of the clinical trials related to the treatment of COVID patients. And so they really were able to see um, and participate firsthand in the work to get a product here and enabled to be used in our population. And that those um, changes took place, you know, in a matter of just days, having um, one of the investigational agents available. Other things that, that we did, we also had to really look at our graduation requirements and determine, do we really, are we going to require or prohibit someone from graduating if they couldn't give that last in-service to the medical um, teams because there were no, in there, there are still really no in-person meetings and educational sessions, so everything is virtual. I mean, so really looking at what kinds of things were really critical, what kinds of things do we need to adjust, and what kind of changes do we need to make for the future. We also, as I mentioned, had a large number of APPE students, um, not just the ones that we were scheduled to take, but extras that they came to us as other sites started um, prohibiting any learners in their organization. And so the residents were phenomenal and took oversight of leading um, what we called resident topic discussions or RTDs for all of the APPE students. And at one point, I think there were 22 APPE students on 17 different rotations. Um, and so the residents like came up with this core set of topic discussions, um, worked to schedule Zoom meetings and, and other virtual meetings and led topic discussions for every student on any rotation. And that would, that also freed up our preceptors from the stress that they were under. Um, you know, they, some of them were feeling bad about not being able to give as many topic discussions to the students based on the things that were going on within the organization. And um, so those resident topic discussions um, didn't just help our preceptors, they helped our residents finish up their teaching certificate requirements because lab was canceled because the classes all went virtual for the school pharmacy. And it really did also help our learners really, so they didn't feel lost in, in the equation because it was, very challenging. Um, and then those topic discussions, once the class of 2020 moved on, um, the residents redid those topic discussions for the class of 2021 as they went into a holding pattern. Their rotations weren't able to start on time as planned. And so, and they were done with classes and they were just waiting for rotations to start. And so the residents did a lot to work with them um, and to help them 
not feel so overwhelmed um, by the unknown of when are my rotations going to start and when am I going to get going and what's going to happen. And then another thing that that really became sort of a, a blessing and that we didn't realize it in the moment was all of our in-person meetings had to be done virtually. And that included our continuing education sessions. And, you know, when you don't have to schedule a room in an academic medical center, like the, the light is bright and everything is beautiful because we're always jockeying with other departments for rooms and auditoriums and things like that. So not having, to, like, having all of our room reservations canceled, but not having to fight with other people for rooms and saying that we have a Zoom room and this is how you get to the CE session really did help us with a number of efficiencies. So our meeting started on time. You didn't have to travel anywhere to a meeting. Um, you didn't have all that weird pre-meeting chit chat that we're so happy to see each other. So you just started on time. You got your meeting done. And, you know, again, we weren't like navigating with other people about how to get this room or that room. And so there were a, a lot of things that became sort of the bright spots, even though, you know, there were there were the dark spots and, you know, the, the difficult days. But, you know, looking back, you know, I would like to to be in the same situation where we, we can always offer like maybe simultaneous uh, Zoom and um, in-person continuing education and later times um, when we can get again together in person um, so that then even people off-site can have access to our CE. So there, there are things that we started to do because we had to do that I think we'll continue to do going forward. Thank you for listening in today. For more information, please be sure to check out the ASHP COVID-19 Resource Center at ashp.org backslash COVID-19. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.